Howdy gamers, and welcome to another wonderful episode of this Accursed Podcast. I'm Leighton. I'm just dropping in to shill our merch. We have some brand new Stay Safe Come Hard black metal hoodies, the same design on new, even softer shirts that we specifically picked out because the last ones get linty really easily, and it's important that you can wear the cum shirt and then take a little nap and not be covered in lint. Just designing with you in mind, all right? We also have beanies that say come on them. And I, I emphasize they do not actually have come on them. They just say that they do. We also have peaches and lemons heart pins, which are pretty cute, and peaches and lemons beanies, which will make you look cute. And I may be biased since I designed everything, but this merch will make people look at you and say, wow, you look amazing. What does your shirt say? And then, well, you're on your own. Also, there's a video version of this episode along with all of our video episodes and weekly mini-sodes at patreon.com slash night, which is also a great way to support the show so we can keep doing the show and get out of our court-mandated anger management sessions. Thank you. But I have to stop talking now because the episode is really, it, it's coming so fast right now. It is sprinting this way and oh my God, ah, it's coming right at you. Get out of the way. Here's the episode. The past few years, it's jeans have really been not the vibe. I was a lifelong jeans wearer, and now it's like, how much sweatpant can I get away with? A lot. Turns out a lot. Here's my question, and this always makes me feel like a monster when I think about it in any <laughs> level of detail. How often do you wash your jeans? I mean, it depends on how much I wear them. The thing is, I, I wear jeans around my workshop, so they get really oh, right, greasy and dirty from that. Not from my body, but from my environment. Yeah. So I probably wash them like every two weeks, maybe. Or okay, like every great. Every few Same. times I use them. Yeah. Sometimes I'll go as much as a month, but... Uh, <laughs> Well, okay, I, I feel valid. I feel valid as a fellow nasty <laughs> jeans wearer. It's just right? like when they're when they're fresh out of the wash, it's like I don't like this. But they only yeah. get good like three weeks in. <laughs> That's the thing. Like they they start to feel really lived in and loose after you know after a while. But it takes a a beat to get there. I wonder. Oh my God, I'm going to be so on brand right now. <laughs> if you could build machine that helps loosen up your pants so you don't have to wear them yourself and you don't have to get them dirty while yes. loosening them up. I'm thinking like mannequin legs mm -hmm. that you can set on a cycle and they just, you have an, yeah. an animated pair of jeans just going in place. You can get your Peloton track record to go crazy <laughs> as well. Well, have you seen those? I forget. I think they're shoe expanders or something like that. So it's, it's mm -hmm. like a kind of vaguely foot-shaped object. You put into a shoe and you kind of turn a knob and it gets bigger and bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad had a retail store, like a clothing store, and we used to have those around in case you needed a quarter size, right? So you could get the next size down and then just tweak it a little bit. So you can mold your body or something like it, maybe even just the waist, because it's the to me, the waist is the crucial part of the jeans. Yeah. 
there are a lot of jeans that fit me perfectly when I stand up, but then as soon as I sit down, mm-hmm. you get that top button just cutting into your belly. Yes. So I'm wondering if there's a way around that. Yeah, it's always clear. Like I put them on and I'm like, well, I'm good to go. And then I sit down to put on my shoes and I'm like, mm, I don't know no. if this is happening, guys. Yes. I was a fashion pariah, well, for my entire life, but specifically Still. in, yes, indeed, uh, in high school. Because what I would do, I hated that top button so much that I would tuck only the front of my t-shirt in to the jeans and would get relentlessly mocked by everybody, including my parents. Oh, just to buffer the button? Just to buffer the button, because I didn't like the cutting into the stomach or the metallic feel of the button against any exposed skin. Yeah, I still do that. (laughs) (laughs) Is that cool now, though? I think so. I mean, sure. Whatever you think is cool is cool. Well, thank you, Simone. This leads into something that that. I wanted to ask you, Simone, because I have so much respect for people who are able to rock a variety of overalls and jumpsuits. (laughs) I want to hear about your favorite overalls and your favorite jumpsuits. You know, I've actually fallen out of wearing them. I was wearing them a lot for a couple of years, and now I don't. I mean, I have these like really grimy overalls that are like a pair of shorts. Mm -hmm. I'll still wear those, but... I've kind of fallen out of wearing them. Layton, are you an overall person? I don't think I've ever seen you in a pair of overalls. I don't own any. I used to wear them a good bit, but it's just like, they're really cute. Uh, I got to take a dump a lot. (laughs) We're just, we're Uh we're getting right into it. I don't want anything obstructing that. No, it's definitely a lot more steps to get your butt clear for exit. I don't want to have to totally undress like a toddler every time I use them. Yeah. No, well, but great. it does solve the button problem. That's true. Because the button for comes sure. like yeah. here. There's nothing. Because we're on an, a tight schedule today, should we be professionals and introduce the show like in an acceptable period of time for a podcast? I think we should do the second half. So let's introduce okay. the show, but I... Refuse to be a professional. Everybody, this is Layton Knight with Brian Wecht. My name is Brian Wecht. Over here, we have Layton Gray. That's me. Mystery guest, would you care to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Simone. I am not very mysterious. I wish I was more mysterious. I actually, when I was seven years old, my New Year's resolution was to become more mysterious because I wanted to be like a Trinity and Matrix. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I did was tell everyone that I was going to be mysterious from now on. So I think I, I failed before I'd even made the, the resolution. Well, so I'm a builder and inventor, reluctant YouTuber. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a, it's a tricky one. It's I still perfect. don't know how to introduce myself. Same. Anytime you do more than one thing, people's mm-hmm. brains explode a little bit because people want to, you know, just put you in a box. In my own case, it's like, what am I? A musician, a comedian, a theoretical physicist, YouTuber? Like, what 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 is it? So you just kind of slap them all together. A little bit. It's you, you sprinkle a lot of different titles in, but yeah, I like inventor because it makes me sound like a cartoon character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you do invent stuff. You invent a ton of cool stuff. Let's see. I wrote I wrote down questions that I wanted to ask. Whoa. Him. Yeah. Layton. I, I oh, know. No. We, I have we ever written down questions before? I thought you weren't going to be professional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've certainly done it in the past, but I'm a little bit more subtle about it and act like mm-hmm. it is truly off the dome and not like, mm-hmm. I'm dying to ask this person a million questions. But someone I wanted to ask you, 
in several of your videos, you kind of have this moment where it's like, I had to get a lathe. This is a new thing. I'm curious what your favorite like underrated tools are or things that you did not expect to change your workflow, but that did. Because oh. I just got baby's first caliper yeah. going nuts. Because yeah. it's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> Measuring everything. Yeah, yeah, it's the best. No, I actually, pair of calipers prompted, I, I got in a debate with my friend because he has very short teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and we got in a whole argument about like, he's like, no, my teeth are taller than yours. And I was like, no, 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 they're not. I promise you. And I'm like, whipped out my calipers. And I was like, let's measure our teeth. <laughs> Turns out my teeth were a millimeter taller than his. But yeah, the tool that's changed my workflow the most, I mean, I have a very off-the-shelf tool that I just got. I got a really nice table saw. Oh, nice. And a really safe table saw. So I've had a table saw for a long time, but I've always been really uncomfortable with it because the fence... So like the thing that you're pushing your material up against was a little bit wobbly. And also if there's any tool that's going to like cost you a finger, it's a table saw. That just happened to someone I know. Had a whole finger. I'm sorry to them. Yeah. It's really scary. And I got a uh, saw stop, which has the technology where it basically, if it gets in contact with a finger, it has a really powerful break and it stops the blade before it can cut it all the way off. So you can still get injured on it, but a lot less. And I just went to town this weekend. I finally like got all the pieces in place and I built all these baskets, storage baskets for my house, which is nothing much (gasps) to write home about. But I was like, oh, this is really going to change the way I make things. That's awesome. I'm really stoked about it. And just like, you know, also like just tools that aren't super noisy. Like this is, it's very quiet. Really? Table saw. Yeah. Which I think like really loud tools. I'm just always like, reluctant to use them. And I really like tools where I can just use like AirPods and don't have to go full on like PPE. Yeah, that's very valid. It's sort of like when you're parking and for some reason in my brain, it's like, oh, I have to turn down my music when I'm parking. Otherwise I'm going to hit a car. Like I need the focus. I feel like with loud noises, with tools, it makes it a lot harder for me to like actually pay attention just because I'm like, "Mm, loud sound. You're also like, I need to hear the screams of the children that I'm running (laughs) over. Yeah. I do the same thing when I'm backing up in a car, (laughs) turn down the radio. And usually my eight-year-old daughter is talking to me while this is happening. So I have double, you know, it's like the car, some podcast or whatever is playing, which I'll try to turn off. And then I have a kid from the backseat saying, where did the audio go? Where's the music? Where's my song? And I try to turn that down. That's a lot harder. And then, you know, back up the car and then proceed. But yeah, I have the same thing. It's very hard. And I think at least in my case, it's because anytime there's music on, I will be paying attention to the music regardless Mm -hmm. of what's happening, unless it's kind of noise rock or, you know, something more ambient. But it's very hard for me to not analyze the music. We also both drive a certain type of car that has an incredible Mm -hmm. design feature where it screams at you anytime you're in reverse, which excellent idea. I don't know whose idea it was, but genius. You guys drive the same car or same model? Same model. Yeah. What are you driving? We both drive Priuses. Yeah. Anytime you go into reverse, it does a beep, 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 beep. Like a tiny, tiny truck. I've been driving my Tesla pickup truck that I converted. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But I actually just bought a new car that's going to be my daily driver, which I'm very excited about. And it's going to arrive on my birthday, which is just a happy coincidence. Yeah. It's great that you've actually been able to get so much literal mileage out of your 
Cybertruck conversion. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I can't drive her anymore. I'm coming to terms with that. It's not feasible. Because of size or or what? No, I mean, she's tiny. So it's a Tesla Model 3. Like, it's not a very big car and that I converted into a pickup truck. But just, I mean, for one, she's potentially a very expensive car. I don't trust my parallel parking enough. Like, I shouldn't be banging <laughs> her up in the way that I am because I'll, like, take yeah. her and haul lumber. And I'm like, that's just stupid to do. But also because, like, people take a lot of photos of me riding in the car right. or film me or follow yeah, me. Like, people have followed out, me to yeah. my house. Not because they care, uh, like, give a fuck about who I am but because they're just interested in the car and it's just like a safety concern. So I'm like, I need to yeah. get an undercover car right, or something that's more normal. <laughs> so I bought a Volvo. Nice. Very nice. Did you have to drive it all as like a, a young person? No, I didn't get my driver's license until I was like 28. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I should have, because I grew up in Stockholm and I spent most of right. my life in Stockholm. And there, like, the public transport is just so amazing. There was very few times where I really had to. And yeah. then I moved to San Francisco and I ended up getting a driver's license, but almost never drove. And it wasn't until I moved to L.A. <laughs> where I started yeah. really driving. Yeah, because kind of forces you to. Yeah, how long yeah. have you been in L.A.? Um, two years. But it's been, like, pandemic years, so, like, four months emotionally. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know so many people who moved here like right before it hit. Yeah. Yes. My childhood best friend moved here and I had no idea she was coming. And she was like, yeah, I live here now. Let's hang out. Pandemic hit last week. I texted her like, hey, do you want to hang out? And she was like, I actually moved to another state <gasps> last week. Oh, no, no, really? Uh, wow. Yeah. No, it's funny because I'm like, because I, I got a house and I feel like I've lived 10 years in this house because right. I spent so much time just on this plot of land, but like mm -hmm. four months in LA as a city. Yeah, that's fair. Is your workshop attached to your house or an area in your house? It's in the backyard. That's wonderful. Which has pros and cons. No, it's, <laughs> it's great. Sometimes I wish I had like a place to go. Yes, same. But at least it's a different building. I feel like there's kind of a watertight like emotional barrier between being in the house and being in the workshop. And it's nice because I mean, I have my dog here and she can just hang out in the yard all day. And it has a lot of practical upsides, but I've like had film crews of like 12 people here. And it's just a lot to have that like in <laughs> around your house. Yeah. This is a detached garage where I put my little office kind of studio here. And even the walking, you know, whatever it is, 10 feet, from my back door to this is a nice amount of emotional separation yeah. from the the living space of the house in the back. You know, my kid can run around in the backyard and yeah. even if I'm recording or something, I can kind of hear shrieking or whatever, you know, emanating from stuff. Usually it's good shrieking. Occasionally it's not. And then I can pause and run outside. Yeah. For me in a studio apartment, where it's like I log on, I sit on my computer, I do my work, and then I log off and go five feet to this couch and stare at a different screen. And then if I'm 3D printing or painting, it's just an additional extra five feet. I also put a cowboy yeah. hat on my, <laughs> on my 3D printer. Oh, is that new? When did that hat go on? I got a, a cowboy hat for my um, Fallout Halloween costume, right. and I just needed a place to put a cowboy hat. And my 3D printer is yeehawing all over the place now. Uh-huh. <laughs> so how do you create like emotional barriers or like differentiation between when you're working and when you're not? Do you have any ritual of like 
I don't. <laughs> I no. really don't. My work-life separation is heinous. Pretty much the fullest extent of it is like if I'm writing stuff or doing anything that doesn't require me being like here, I will go to a coffee shop really early in the morning and just like bang it out. And then at least that feels like there is some space. But I'm so sick of sitting at my desk in the same chair every single day for so long. I wonder if there should be an app where you're both working from home, but you can just switch homes. <laughs> so oh, you're like, sorry. you can use Brian's house as your yeah. workplace and he goes to your place. That's a great idea, especially in Not you know pandemic. Idea. That would have been really <laughs> useful. Yeah. Just like come breathe my filthy come air. Breathe my air oh, for yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And my dog will come harass you. And it's essentially like free dog for a couple of hours with no yeah. responsibilities of actually taking care of the dog. The coffee shop thing was, I think apart from, you know, global collapse. The thing that I miss the most about during the pandemic, not being able to just go to a separate space and sit down even just for an hour on a laptop or whatever. LA coffee shops are odd too because it's, you know, 99% script people working on various, yeah. you know, projects. <laughs> Sitting and mumbling dialogue. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It took a long time, so I moved here seven years ago, to find... There's like the chill coffee shops that aren't fancy and have a bunch of shitty couches and usually bad coffee, which are the best ones, in my opinion. And then there's like the super fancy ones that feel like the future. It's all like plywood decor. Yes, Edison yeah. bulbs and, you know, that sort of stuff. Well, and it feels like hostile architecture furniture where Correct. it's like, we want you in here as little as possible. You are going to be uncomfortable. Good luck. Yeah. You just get little metal bar stools. Right. Yeah. Yep. A few of them didn't even have Wi-Fi. And then there's like the coolness factor in terms of like, I, there are several coffee shops in my neighborhood where I don't feel cool enough to be inside of them, or I just feel intensely judged, even though that's all me, that's not other people, but I just need to be somewhere where I don't feel like I am intruding on the cool kids hangout. Right. I'm curious, Simone, how much unstructured time do you have for just messing around and building stuff? Because I'm always curious about with creative people and different types of creativity, structured versus unstructured, and then failure rate, which I assume for everybody is like 99%. It certainly is for me, where most of the stuff just doesn't work. And, you know, you just got to deal with it. The good thing about the pandemic is I've had a lot more unstructured time because before I had a really like aggressive travel schedule because I talked a lot at conferences. Right. And now I've had so much more time to just loiter in the workshop and sort screws and just hang out, which honestly, it just feels healthy on such a deep primal level for mm -hmm. me. So I've had a fair amount of structured time. I do try to, but it is, it's very much like, oh, this is the project I'm working on now and the one I need to push on. The fun thing about building a business yourself is that you can kind of make shit up. So <laughs> I've invented uh, Futz Friday, mm -hmm. oh, that's which great. is on, on Fridays. It's mostly been Friday afternoons. Like anyone, you can kind of work on whatever you want and like tinker in the workshop. And that goes for every one of the teams. So people that's like great. bring their personal projects and just use the space to do stuff. We're not great at honoring it. Um, sometimes it's like if we have crazy deadlines, we will work through it. And Free Food Friday. So on Fridays, oh, I buy everyone yeah. lunch. But yeah, I think that has definitely helped. Often, if I feel creatively stumped, it's it's because I haven't had enough time to just 
frolic. Yes, always. Yeah. yeah, there's something that is so, like, as you say, kind of primally important and restorative about doing things by hand, like mm-hmm. as somebody who is doing a lot of digital art and 3D art and stuff on a computer, just being mm-hmm. able to sit and like physically make a tangible object that I can hold and be like, all right, I made this. It, it releases so much serotonin into my brain. I think there's, yeah, this twofold. I mean, for one, like making without an end goal is really important to me or where I can just tinker mm-hmm. and I don't have a clear idea of like what the purpose for it is. But yeah, like my happy place is working on something that keeps my hand hands occupied, but my brain freed up enough that I can listen to like a podcast. Mm-hmm. Like that's the perfect amount. I'm just like working on something. I'm putting together a jigsaw puzzle. I'm sanding something. It's not taking a lot of brain power, but it's keeping my eyes and my hands busy. And then I can listen to a podcast or an audiobook. If I have that combo, I can go for hours. For a theorist like me, my equivalent of that is a long calculation where you just sit down and you're just doing math and it's pretty much you know the steps you need to do. So there's not a lot of like actual thinking. It's just like you got to grind through this, you know, whatever 10 page calculation until you get to the end and then you can have something on in the background. But this is the thing I, I always was curious about as a, as a physicist. It's this, you know, sort of some people are good at both. I am not very much a hands-on type person. But, you know, the thing you were talking about, Leighton, of the it feels good to hold something in your hand. I literally never had that in my entire academic career because I was, you know, I was a string theorist. Like, they may not even fucking exist. Like, you know, it, 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 there's nothing to, to hold. And so my equivalent of it feels good to hold something was, wait, I might actually have to write some code for this yeah. and, you know, then grind it through on a, you know, Mathematica or, or whatever. We can print your code out on a piece of paper so you can also <laughs> hold it and get that experience. Yep. I studied physics, but I dropped out after a year because I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this feels like it's stimulating one part of my brain like crazy, but a lot of the rest of my brain is kind of crumbling and dying a little bit. And I think it was also because I really wanted something more tangible, a more tangible output where I was like, oh, it's something that I've created or something that I built. I had so many different jobs and I I was just trying out a bunch of different things. It really felt like trying on a bunch of different pants and being like, do these fit me? And I was like, oh, I can wear these ones. And my physics pants, I was like, they're just stiff. (laughs) I I think a lot of the great experimentalists slash lab people I know, a lot of them kind of got through grad school up to the point where they could finally get in the lab and then could basically throw all that stuff out once they had gotten to that point and then just experiment and actually work with their hands. But it's it's a very high barrier to clear that, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's not even being, you know, quote unquote, good at physics or whatever. A lot of it is just like, can I power through this and, you know, just get to the point I want to get to in order to be in a lab. And yeah. there's, of course, a million different ways to do that, many of which involve absolutely no academics at all, as you well know. Yeah, the thing also, I think this is such a big issue with when people choose careers is that, yeah, maybe you power through all those years of math and then you get to the lab and you're like, oh, this was not the way I expected it to be. This actually yep. isn't enjoyable. And I really totally. wish that like any 
degree that you apply to or any career path that you go on, that it was a prerequisite that you had to do like a week of work in the field that you thought you wanted. So like if you wanted to be a doctor, you had to spend a week at a hospital, like just Mm -hmm. working with the doctor just to see, because I feel like we make so many assumptions. Like I made so many assumptions about what I thought I would like and I did it. And I was like, oh no, this is not it. Yes. I'm curious in Sweden. So I know in a lot of Europe, you get very trapped, even, you know, at like 15 or 16 years old, you're just doing your thing. And then once you get to university, so I was a professor in England, you go for physics, you are only taking physics classes. Is it similar in in Sweden where you're just like in a thing and you're doing it and that's pretty much, well, now you're stuck to that for a while. So for when you apply for college, you've already picked your track. Like, because I think you guys have like some general thing you can do. In the U.S.? Yeah. In the U.S., you essentially don't need to pick a major until like even your second year sometimes. Yeah. What I've realized in the States is you're not really encouraged to take gap years in the same way. Like you're supposed to go straight from high school to, but since going to college in Sweden is a little bit of a less of a commitment because Mm -hmm. it doesn't cost as much money. And it's like people kind of try different things out a little bit more. I think it's really nice that people get some life experience before you make that commitment. I mean, I took a lot of gap years to the point where I kind of aged out of going to college in a (laughs) way. I loved going to school. I was like such a little Hermione Granger. And I always imagined that I was going to be in academia And then I realized, because I just kept on doing a bunch of different things and I got really interested in electronics and I like started to apply to MIT and I was maybe like 26 at the time, 25. And I remember seeing that the average age of students was 18 and I'm like, fuck, I can't be in a class (laughs) with a bunch of 18 year olds who are smarter than me. Right. So I, I, I kind of I kind of missed the train in some way, and it's something I still have like a little bit of FOMO about, but I'm also mm-hmm. very happy with where I ended up, and I don't think oh, I totally. would have liked academia anyway. Is it like this for you? Because I personally, I dropped out after two years because I suddenly had like career things to do. But literally even last night, I have so many dreams about going back to school just because I loved the experience of learning stuff. It just was not a good time and it was too much money for art school. But I just like always think about it. Like, oh, I miss taking notes. I want to take notes in my little notebook. And I love that they tell you exactly what you need to do. And I don't have to, you know, make my own way here. It's just like, all right, I can hit this syllabus. I can read this book. Thriving. No, it's just like, because it's like you're sitting on a train and somebody has planned out all the stops for you. You know, there's very little worrying you have to do in that sense. No, I do think about it, but I'm also, I know that I'm in a very fortunate position where I can spend time learning anything I want, like for work. And I'm really happy with my YouTube channel in the sense that I've kind of made it into just a platform where I think of it as my like personal journal of curiosities or like things I want to pursue further. So, I mean, I have a video coming up that's going to have a lot to do about animal behavior, which is an area of interest for mine. And I'm building something around that. And I think like I can romanticize going back to school, but I know that the reality of it would be, I would be so frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. I would want things to go so much faster. I would want things to be much more hands on. And the reality of being an academic for those like me who did pursue that beyond college and then grad school, et cetera, it is such 
a chore and very far for most people from the ideal of the, you know, I just get to think about whatever. There's a lot of bullshit you got to put up with in order to get to that point. And I think for a lot of people, especially who might be more theoretically minded, the thing you were saying, Simone, about can you just spend some time doing the thing or go to grad school, let's see, for theoretical stuff. You love learning the stuff, right? You really just want to take more classes and learn more stuff. But almost every you know tenured academic position is as a researcher as much, if not more, than uh, an instructor. And that's such a different muscle. Mm-hmm. And you know, at least in my personal case, I could do research, but it was never like my passion. And yep. I think had I really realized how much of an academic life was research and getting grants and all that kind of bullshit, it would have been a lot less appealing to me as a, you know, whatever, 21-year-old graduating from from college. Yeah. I think there are kind of two questions. I don't know why we started into like unsolicited career advice for listeners, (laughs) but I feel like there's two main questions that you need to answer. Like one is like, what do you want to do? But then an equally important question is in what context do you want to do that? Because I was, I mean, I had a job as a, um, maker in residence for a company that had an electronics, a microcontroller, a little Bluetooth Arduino board. And my job was just to find fun use cases for it and write tutorials. So like in many ways, what I was doing was the same as what I'm doing on my YouTube channel. Like it's just finding fun applications and and building fun and interesting projects. But I realized that the context in which I was creating wasn't great for me to stay motivated. And Mm -hmm. that was a big part of the equation as well. And one that I think that we don't really ask ourselves that much because it's the same people are like, oh, I really want to build robots. And you're like, okay, but in what context? Like, do you want to work for a big corporation? Do you want to work for a startup? Do you want to be independent? Do you want to do it for art? Do you want to do it for education? Like there's so many different contexts for any given job. Yeah. And I think speaking of that work-life balance where this is a skill that you're interested in and a field that you're interested in, deciding like, is doing this or pursuing this in a career context going to completely kill my joy for this thing? Is this something Mm -hmm. that I should just like keep as a hobby or interest and maybe spec out in a different direction? And it's so hard to know that stuff until, as you say, like you are actually kind of locked into doing it. Yeah, totally. And if if you're in any kind of, well, almost anything, but especially something that's very tech driven, new contexts show up all the time. And it's very hard to know going into something what it's going to be like in, let's say, 10 years, right? You could probably know some big ones, like you said, big corporation, whatever, just doing it for art. But there's probably going to be a lot of interesting new stuff that comes up in the interim that maybe you wouldn't have even have thought of as a possibility. I mean, certainly, you know, when I was starting out as, you know, a musician, comedian, whatever, YouTube was not really a thing, right? There was no, hey, let's put videos out on this thing. You just couldn't really do that as an indie person. And then this major shift happens and suddenly there's a whole new field that opens up for a place to do it. Mm -hmm. I think the overarching advice is fuck it before you marry it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Let's move on to segments here. Uh, So our first, yes, I know this is a record I think we're, we're being professional in spite of ourselves. Uh, we're going to move on to our first segment. Well, I sp- let me speak for myself. Layton, you are, of course, a consummate professional and always have been. What? It's a, it's a compliment. No. Okay. I refuse uh, to accept it. Okay. Noted. Uh, our first segment 
is our pop culture recommendation segment. This is where you get to talk about a book, a movie, video game, whatever you're enjoying these days. It's called What's Poppin'. And the theme song, which we insert and post every week, so you will not hear it, goes <laughs> here. What's poppin'? What's poppin'? So I will ask you, Simone, the question I'd like to ask all of our guests, which is, if you were to have heard that theme song, what would you have thought about it? Um, wow. Great <laughs> music to have sex to. I don't know. I've Great. Okay. I love it. it. Perfect. That, that's that's like perfect That's answer. the perfect yes. response. Yeah. Yes. A- oh, absolutely. now I really want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing can prepare you for what it sounds like. It yeah. will... Exceed every possible expectation. Did you write it? I did. And yeah. it's very short and not particularly good. I figured. I guess you could have sex to it. Brian could have sex to it, probably. It's like 20 seconds. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> wow. Well, what a burn. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> All right. Cool. Simone, yeah. What's popping? I just feel like so many people will already have recommended this. I've been on a severance recommendation spree. I love Severance. Yeah, it's just such a good show. I think everything from the storytelling to the acting to the art direction, it just felt really different from anything I've seen recently. Mm -hmm. And it definitely made an impact on me. I agree wholeheartedly. Like, I was more into Severance than anything I've been into in, like, the past couple of years. Like, I, Mm -hmm. I felt so excited about it in a way. I mean like Twin Peaks when I was in high school, that sort of thing. You know, just like there's a cool mythology that's being meted out in little parcels. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I just, I love it so much. The thing that really sticks with me is like, so not to spoil the show for anyone, but basically it's uh, like the ultimate NDA. (laughs) So you split a personality between when they're working and when they're not working, which would be amazing for you in your studio apartment. (laughs) You're like, this is the most watertight barrier. But what I really liked about it was the subtleties, like the differences in how the actors acted when they were their office selves and Mm -hmm. their normal selves. And how awkward they were as their office selves. And you're like, yeah, that's basically because they were babies. Like they had no experience. They had no life experience and they don't know how to act. And everything is kind of like just the uncanny valley. Yeah. Just a great show overall. 10 out of 10. Yep. Agree. Layton. Amazing. What's popping? What's popping for me is I discovered a new author over the weekend and then proceeded (gasps) to shotgun three books by said author and <laughs> wow. all of them were amazing. So what's popping for me is, I'm totally going to say this wrong, but is Kazuo Ishiguro's books, Never oh, Let yeah. Me Go, Remains of the Day, and Clara and the Sun. Oh my God. So I'm incredible. Yes. The prose is so accessible that I feel like you could have a high schooler or middle schooler read them and totally get it, even if they're missing sort of like the greater life experience because the themes of the books are so much about like have you wasted your life or like, are you taking advantage of everything? But the subtle dystopia of the books and the way that information is kind of meted out, like Never Let Me Go feels like a regular, like coming of age kids in a boarding school thing that gets progressively more sinister and then completely Mm -hmm. devastating by the end. And I love how much minimal information is given to create this like, okay, we are in the future and shit's fucked up. 
good luck being a human <laughs> in the midst of all of this dystopia and also remains of the days like maybe the best unreliable narrator book I've ever read. Wow. Also movie starring Anthony Hopkins and Emma Thompson, which I watched like half of last night yeah. and then fell asleep. But uh, so good. Can't recommend them highly enough. They're amazing. Who's in the the Never Let Me Go movie? Is that Scarlett Johansson? Is that right? It's Rachel Weisz and Andrew Garfield and Carrie Mulligan. Like the last five years, right? It's pretty recent. It might be like 2011. I don't know. Oh, wow. I think well, I, av- I avoided it because yeah. that title is so overly sentimental that I thought it was going to be like romance, mm-hmm. but it's it's it was only a little romance. That's great. I feel like I've been seeing these books in the front of bookstores for years and have always been curious about them. So, Well, dude won the Nobel Prize for Literature for a right. reason. They're really yes. great. I'm happy to hear that the the language isn't is more accessible because that's the thing. Like, I love reading young adult novels mm-hmm. because I'm like, it's just a good story and the language doesn't get in the way. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. I don't want you to flaunt your vocabulary. I don't need that. I just want to be entertained and like for the pages to keep turning. Yeah. The tone is so like personable and like, here's a person, first person narrating, like, here's this thing that happened. And this reminds me of another thing that happened. And I'll tell you about that now. And now I'm going to tell you about this other thing. Like it feels mm-hmm. very conversational. That's great. My wife, Simone, feel, Rachel, feels the same way. You do a lot of what she reads as young adult for exactly the same reason. She's like, they're great stories, really well-written, and it's not, you know, yeah. it just kind of gets to the point and does it. Brian, what's popping? What's popping for me? Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie. Uh, I talked about this very briefly on a mini episode, but it's the current movie that's out in the theaters right now, Bros, which is Billy Eichner's rom-com. So it's, I believe, being billed as the first big budget, like big studio gay rom-com. And there's been kind of... Various levels of capital D discourse about it online, which take as you will, but I just thought it was a really funny, great movie. I'm not much of a rom-com person generally, but I do think Billy Eichner is really, really funny. And this film has so many of my favorite like current comedic actors. It's got Billy Eichner, Guy Branham, Bowen Yang, Harvey Firestein's in it. I just thought it was a, a really delightful, fun movie that getting lost in people talking about it online is that it's very, very funny from start to finish. And there's this thing going on right now where a lot of studios just aren't making comedies anymore. Comedies are just not being funded in the same way they used to be. They're not putting them out there. So it's nice to see a studio comedy that is genuinely good, I thought. It's a lot of fun to watch. Awesome. Well, that means it's time for our final segment. Wait. No, yes, it is. It is. It is. Okay. Oh, uh, uh, wait, I'm curious why you wanted to wait. No, no, no. I was like, wait, did we all pop? We all popped. Oh, yes, we all popped. We all popped. So it's time for our final segment, which because we are a little short on time, it is the modified version of this segment, which is peaches and lemons. But we will each do a lemon, which is the thing that is a minor bummer, grievance, whatever. And then we will each do one peach, which is a good, exciting, fun thing that is nice. So we will start with a lemon, and here is the theme song where we only talk about lemons, and that goes right here. Excellent. So we will each start with a lemon, which is a minor bummer, annoyance, etc. I will begin briefly 
Over the weekend, I messed up my medication. So I am like 300 milligrams behind on Zoloft and I feel like my brain is vibrating inside of my skull this morning. So that's my lemon. Feels feels so great right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, yeah, if that that's sucks. Okay. Thank you for being here. No, it's solely out of my own stupidity of not refilling things on time. So... Also, as an observer, I cannot tell that you're. I, I was going to say the same thing. Sure. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. You're pulling Thank off you. being normal very much. Yes, you seem 100% like that's my job. The person I'm used wow. to. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I was running around this morning like involuntary rage screaming at a variety of things. So. No. Love, love. Maybe that's why your dog is hiding. <laughs> that would, yeah, <laughs> that would make sense. That would make sense. All right, somebody else, yeah. Lemon. Okay, Lemon. Last night. I went to the bathroom and I pulled my pants down and I sat on the seat. And then I was like, oh, that's funny. That feels really warm. And I realized oh, no. I hadn't pulled my pants down far enough and I just <laughs> peed into my own pants, which I'm just amazed that I've gone 32 years in life and that's never happened to me before. Because sometimes mm-hmm. you don't you don't pull them down to your ankles. Yeah, like, sure. Not in a fucking movie you got things to do you got things to do and also because like it was a little bit cold and i think i don't pull them down all the way because i don't want to sit all the way on the seat like i want to have that fabric in between now that i'm backtracking what happened (laughs) doing the autopsy of it uh but yeah i peed into my own pants while also being (laughs) on a toilet so it's a lemon but it just made me laugh you are in good company i have also (laughs) (laughs) i I feel compelled compelled to point out that had you been wearing overalls Probably you could have avoided that exact situation. I know. Oh gosh, no! I peed on so many. I was on um, a set and I was I was shooting this show for Discovery Channel, and I, um, yeah, I had to pee in a bush and I pulled down my overalls and I peed oh, no. all over my sleeve of the overall. And I was like, "Hey, oh, no. does anyone?" Because we were out in the desert, and I was like, "Does anyone have a pair of scissors?" And I just cut it off. Oh, it's, wow. like, it's a, it's a one armed overall. Now we'll like we'll call it a thing. Fashion, Brian. My lemon is uh, I'm drinking coffee again. I <gasps> periodically stop, but I just spent a month on the road on tour with my band, and then started. And I have this three week gap in between legs of the tour, and I have continued to drink coffee. It tastes good. I do like it, but I don't love feeling compelled to drink it. Mm. So, How does it feel to be dragged back down with the rest of us? You're all high and mighty with your not drinking coffee and now you're, you're <laughs> one know, of us once I more. Know. I have a lot of sympathy for uh, your average human now, I guess, Layton. Mm. So mm. yeah, it, it's good to be back with the plebs. Well, welcome. Well, we're glad to Thank have you. you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, now it's time for the second part of this, which is One Peach Each theme song here. One one peach each, one peach, one peach each, one peach, one peach each, one peach, one peach each. Great. That's one peach each. We will each share one peach each as stated. My one peach is that I went to Not Scary Farm over the oh, weekend. Oh, yes. Tell me it's all about it. The best. We have to do a mini where I like tell you about all the stuff. But unfortunately, it was raining a little bit. So none of the sliders could slide, oh, which was no. really... I've been looking forward to seeing the slider slide all year. Well, they gave it their all. Care to explain what it is? Yeah, I was oh, just yeah, about yeah. to say, can you tell uh, everyone what a slider is? So at Not Scary Farm, 
you know, Knott's Berry Farm. It's the scary version that they do for September through October. They have mm-hmm. scare zones, which are like, you know, you walk through and there are a bunch of actors in makeup who the whole goal is they're just going to try to get the jump on you. But a thing that is unique to Knott's Scary Farm is they have this whole subset of scare actors called the sliders where they have knee pads and, and gloves and shoes that have like washers and metal on them. So the whole idea is that they can drop and slide across the asphalt and it's really loud and it sends up sparks. And so it scares the shit out of you, especially the first time you see it because you're kind of expecting stuff on eye level and then all of a sudden it's like a creature sliding at you and there's sparks and it's really loud. Last year we went and there was this teenage girl who was running and screaming and there were like four different sliders who converged on her. (laughs) And it was like watching somebody become the Joker in real time because it was just like, people screaming and sliding in front of her and she hated it. The other thing is they are all encouraged to come up with their own like sliding personalities and costumes and bits. So it's not just a uniform like the park just tells you what to do. They're like bringing their own gear and figuring out their own techniques. There's like there's there's some kind of mini culture. documentary on it, right? It, it's, yes, it's a, it's, it's, the it, sliders it's a proper, of ghost town. yes, it's a proper subculture. And all of them are like, I actually was the one who invented sliding. I was the one who first put washers <laughs> on gloves. The entire time we were there, we were just making that joke over and over. Like, uh, you know, I was the first one who invented sliding. It's really wild because they're like hurling themselves at the ground, to get, you yeah. know, the sparkiest sparks they can get. I can't imagine, much like a pro athlete, that that career lasts decades. You know, I think you have probably yeah. a few good years of sliding before you have to move on. I have some very specific health problems. Yes, yeah. involving knees. I do nothing. I sit at my desk all day and I feel like if I drop to my knees to slide once, they would just instantly shatter. Oh, terrifying. The idea of doing it terrifies me. Watching the videos of people doing it, it's like, no, absolutely not. Anyway, not scary farm. If anybody's in the LA area and they've never been, it's worth it. Uh, someone else, Peach. So I got exposed to COVID on Thursday, so I had to <laughs> isolate this weekend. Yeah, seemingly so far so good. No symptoms, okay, testing negative. I had all these plans for the weekend, but I ended up just staying in my workshop and like, it was so nice. <laughs> I just, yeah, I made these storage bins. And it's with your new table was nothing saw. special, but it was just like the perfect activity. I had all the scrap parts that I needed. Like I built it all out of scrap wood and scrap sheet metal. Didn't have to go to the hardware store. And, you know, the product was just big enough for me to get like a good serotonin payoff. I finished one of them. It was just a perfectly balanced project for a rainy day weekend. That's great. It's my peach. Storage solutions, even when you just buy them, it's like, I have my life together. So to have personally built them yourself, I'm sure to the specifications and exactly what you needed them for, amazing. Yeah, I built one for my candles, another one for my mixer, and then I'm building one for tampons and pads and menstrual attire. Like, Yeah, no, it definitely feels like I am spending my time well- being organized and it's very soothing. Hell yeah. Love it. Brian, what's your peach? My peach is so my eight year old daughter, Audrey. I talked about this in an earlier episode. I booked an acting gig in a commercial, which I cannot say anything about. It, and I just got back from set. So I was a set dad mm. all weekend. She booked like the lead role in this commercial, one of her first wow. ever auditions. And so I got to watch her 
be on camera for like she was working for three straight days. And the most important thing is that she had a blast, like an actual great time. The director was so cool. He was such a nice person and really supportive of her, even when she kept, for example, hiding his monitor because she thought it was funny. (laughs) She did such a great job and she had an absolute blast. Like everyone was so kind to her. It was a big production and I'm just so proud of her. I asked her, is this the kind of thing you'd want to keep doing? Should we try to keep doing this? And she's like, yes. You know, they really made her feel special. And I was just so impressed with more than the actual acting, which is hard to do. Although, honestly, the best part was that they were just like, play. You know, here's what I want you to do. Do this on camera. And she could just be her awesome self and do it. The thing I was more impressed about is, you know, there's a lot of waiting for that sort of thing. You're waiting for setups and lighting and all that stuff. And she was so patient, which is the hardest part for an eight-year-old. But yeah, we had an awesome weekend and she did a fantastic job and really, really enjoyed herself. So I'm just really proud of my kid today. Hmm. Awesome. Look at all those peaches. First of all, Simone, thank you so much for being here and taking this time to to chat with us. It was a pleasure to to have you and to see you again. Where can people find you if they want to catch your stuff? At Simone Yach, everywhere. So at Simone, G-I-E-R-T-Z, the pronunciation versus the spelling makes no sense. But yes. Yeah. Cool. Layton, do you want to give us a little sign off here? Certainly. Everybody at home, hope you're well. Hope you're um hope hope you're having a great October, Halloween, whatever. Um, and that your pants fit you well and are dry. <laughs> Perfect. That's, that's, well said. That's, that's, that's it. See, see you, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. Leighton Night is produced by Brian Wecht, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Night, on Instagram at Leighton underscore Night, or email us at LeightonNight at gmail.com. <laughs>